Welcome, neighbors, to another episode of the Praise and Broship Podcast, where two deconstructed best friends deconstruct praise and worship music and other forms of Christian and secular media. As former praise and worship musicians, we will do our best to bring lighthearted and insightful conversations to your ears every week. My name is Luke, and I'm joined by my best friend, CJ. Hey. I'm coming at you from Florida. CJ is coming at you from Louisiana. Say hi, CJ. What's up, you guys? (laughs) So this week we have uh, a bit of a different format for you. We mm. both watched the docu series uh, Hillsong. Uh, what's the subtitle? Hillsong, a mega church exposed. A, a mega church exposed. Uh, and a- as people who have performed and sung these songs many, many times, because Hillsong is a uh, ubiquitous. Uh, praise and worship producer. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we're going to dig into this documentary a bit, but uh, before we get into that, we are going to check in with each other as we do every week. But instead of taking turns, we're going to just kind of discuss together uh, how, how how's our walk. So <laughs> Specifically CJ. in the last 12 hours, how's yeah, our walk so, been? So CJ, how's our walk, man? Well, okay, so CJ goofed. Um, when he was editing an episode and that episode is from a couple of weeks ago by the time you hear this one. And Luke and I had talked about how to go about editing this episode. We kind of touched base a week or so ago about it. And I kind of brought some concerns to him. He heard those concerns. We kind of talked about how to edit it, but not specific things that, or at least not specific things that I picked up on. And so, yeah, basically I edited something and just completely gutted it and messed it up. And I tried to cut corners and make things quicker and it ended up being a flop. And what is your perspective on that, Luke? So I uh, I read some Bible verses that were pertinent to things that were happening socially, politically, mm-hmm. and Though I do agree that a string of bleeps can be funny, I did feel that the things that you bleeped out that I said kind of redacted the entire thing that I was trying to say at that moment. Yeah, I tried to be cute, and it yeah, it didn't work. Yeah, out. and 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 again, that kind of thing can be funny, but I was trying to talk about social issues using the Bible to talk about human rights and it kind of all just got bleeped out and that that could be a catalyst for a big fight it did not happen that way we we texted it out (laughs) (laughs) which is funny because that's like i hate doing that when there's a misunderstanding like that not just with luke but or with you but but with anyone if there's a misunderstanding with my mom or my brother or or my wife like i want to talk it out i don't want to text it out but yeah and i know you were getting to here that's kind of the beauty of our friendship it it became apparent pretty quickly that what i had done was kind of chopped and screwed things not beyond repair it's fixed if you're if you're trying if you're scratching your head right now listening to this episode then a couple episodes ago didn't really happen. You probably are like, oh, yeah, the Bible verses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are, what are they talking about with the bleeps? But it's all fixed at this point, and it's fine. But, yeah, and, and I, I'm, I just And I'm goofed. not mad. No, you know, no. I, I was, I was, able, to, I was able to tell you how I, how I felt, and 
you know, I know it was a, a, a problem for you to re-edit things, but it's ultimately, not that big of a deal. ultimately we came to an agreement and it wasn't, we can have disagreements on uh, artistic integrity and discuss it and come to a resolution. And I, you know, I don't want it to seem like, oh, I felt like I was right. And so you need to fix it. That's not at all how it came mm, out. Mm-mm, mm-mm. But I, I just felt that what I had to say was being edited out, and I felt like that was counter to the message that that I feel like we both agree on as far as these mm-hmm. social issues. So it, it definitely was what I was doing was tongue in cheek for sure, and it was satire. But to then go a step further and to edit out most of the words that I said kind of was counter to it was uh it was like a doubling down on the satire. Yeah. Well, I was going to say it's like I took your satire and I turned it into a farce, you know, where it was it was highbrow (laughs) initially. And and then I basically lowered those brows right on down (laughs) by trying to bleep out just a string of words. And it I thought it was funny, but he's absolutely right in that it, it did cover up the message. And and that's not what I'm here to do. And I want us both to be honest and and have integrity about the things that we do. And I could have just not said anything, but yeah. I knew that there was it, there it was probably something that should have been different yeah. about it. And it, it would have been a problem if you had fought me on it. You know that could have turned into a fight. Well, but a I fight think- or just like here's my here's where I'm coming from. Here's where you're coming from. Who's going to Who's going to win out on the not win, but you know what I mean. Like, who has the stronger argument in this? I think cooler heads prevail when the yeah. people who are and, clashing. And I, I genuinely felt bad for standing my ground, you know, but I felt like you know I didn't. I wasn't trying to preach in that moment, but I felt like quoting those verses were was significant to the topic of the day. And not that this is a topical podcast, but I feel like at that time. This is something we should address, you know, yeah. being a somewhat uh, religious-based podcast, you know. Mm-hmm. That's all I have to say about it. I, I I love you, CJ. I have no, I harbor no bad feelings or ill will towards you. <laughs> He's going to bring uh, this up in a later podcast. So He's going to oh, hold yeah. it over my I mean, head for, for, sure. for a long time. That's um, how this friendship hey, works. CJ, you remember when you bleeped out everything that I said? Uh, <laughs> all the important words. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, maybe so, we'll have a well. Maybe we'll have a note in the show notes that links to the episode we're talking about because I don't want to get into. We that could do right that, now. and I could probably save that section. <laughs> yeah, put it as a put, put it at it the end <laughs> or like a Patreon thing down the road or something. So this, like we said, this episode is going to be structured a little bit differently. We are still going to have some songs in this episode, but we really want to just get right into it on this docuseries. So if you haven't seen this yet, you can get a, a free Pause the week podcast. trial. Yeah, go Don't watch all three hour long episodes. <laughs> yeah, there's there's only there's only three episodes. It's not it's not super long. They're all right at an hour a piece. And it's on Discovery Plus, so you can get yourself a free trial, knock those episodes out like like I did, and then uh, come on back and listen to it. Or if you just want to get the cliff notes, we're, we're going to help you out with that as well. So the way we're going to structure this episode is we're going to talk about 
the first episode, then we're going to have a song, then we're going to talk about the second episode, have another song, and then talk about that final third bombshell of an episode. Mm-hmm. And then we'll end things a little bit more lighthearted with a with one of our games and we'll we'll get when we get there, you'll know. So let's start with episode one. Um <sighs> Well, so I wanted to say that um, when I started this series, it the first episode was exactly what I expected. It was about a mega church. It was about gaining popularity. It was mm-hmm. about uh, money. You know, whenever you get something that big, how can it not be about money? And um, yeah, like it, it just when you when you get an organization, no matter how good the intentions are, there is immediately a hierarchy. And the higher you are up on that hierarchy, the more you expect to gain from being in it. You know, if if you're one of the founding members of a group, you expect to be treated differently. This is not a, a slam on any church or anything. It's just it feels like human nature. Right. You know, like you, you if you start something, you feel like you have some authority on the thing that you started. Well, and and with this first episode, like you said, right, it's a mega church. It's becoming this big deal uh, because obviously they didn't start out as this huge organization and and conglomerate of of different churches in different countries and continents and all that. They started out very nor like a normal church would. But I think what it comes down to the the big question that I asked. And, and I wrote down while I was watching this first episode was, should Christianity be marketed? And and to take it even a step further, to take that question just one step further, should Christians or even prospective Christians or people searching for a church, should they be treated like consumers, right? It, it, uh, talking about the marketability of Christianity, I on the surface, I don't really have an issue with that. I know that that might sound anathema to some people and maybe even to you, Luke, but I, I I wonder where that stops when it becomes less about marketing yourself to to Christians and then more to people who are being treated like consumers of a product rather than worshipers of an almighty God. So I I think that it comes down to intention. You know, uh, the Bible talks about uh, God knowing your heart. And so I I found mm-hmm. uh, the these two verses. Well, um, Can technically, I bleep these verses? Uh, all of the important, only the important words. <laughs> uh, so I can't it's believe actually, I called it back that quickly. I'm, I'm it's sorry. It's actually six verses, but... We'll talk about the first two and talk about the the last four uh, briefly. So Matthew 6, 1 through 9. So it's nine verses. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Thus, you give to the mm. need. I'm sorry. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in their synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. 
and your father who sees who sees in secret will reward you. Verse 5. This is leading up to the Lord's Prayer. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street's corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. So that's actually only verse 1 through 6 of chapter 6 of Matthew. So that first episode Hmm. talks a lot about their growth and the marketing that you're talking about. And they even go on to say that there are several celebrities that have joined that church and they're they're using the celebrities to promote their church. But right here in Matthew, Jesus is saying these words to not practice your righteousness before other people, to be seen by them. And and he even goes on to say, like, if you're doing this, you've already gotten your reward by the praise of other people. You're not getting the reward of of God in heaven. Mm -hmm. And so when I see churches do this, it, man, it's really frustrating. So, so yeah, I want to hear your thoughts on the the verses that I just read. What's interesting to me is... I've always kind of, during studying the Bible, I've always wondered why Jesus would tell his disciples or even people that he performed miracles on, right? He would say, now go and don't tell anyone about this, basically, right? I'm paraphrasing that. And I was always taught that he did that for, because his, his, calling was not complete, right? His work in the earthly realm was not complete. And so he didn't want the the Jewish establishment or the Romans to come after yeah, him just the same yet. Thing. Right. He needed he needed yeah, to he needed, to accomplish more, more things, yeah. to fulfill more prophecies. Right. But you have to also think of it in terms of the verses in Matthew that you just read. He's practicing what he's preaching right? His disciples are with him basically all the time. So they're seeing these miracles. And so they could be considered the righteous, right? He's doing these miraculous acts in front of these righteous men. But I think what it goes down to is he is also performing these righteous, these miraculous acts for people who are not what the establishment would consider to be pure or clean. You know, he's healing lepers. And so he's doing things for people. And because of his attitude of do not tell people about this, it is because it could be because his messianic purpose is not complete, but it's it's also because he's trying to get the point across of exactly what he's preaching, which is, I do not do this so that people can go and tell everyone that I am the son of God. He is the son of God. He knows he's the son of God and therefore does not need lip service from anyone saying just exactly what he knows and what his disciples know. Well, and I almost want to say that, um, and this is heresy for sure for a lot of Christians, 
Mm. But he doesn't want other people to tell, he, he doesn't want his disciples to tell other people that he's the son of God because he knows that we are all children of God. We are, okay. we can all become enlightened and, and exist in heaven on earth if we're willing to look for it. That's not what I thought we were going to get into <laughs> in this episode. But yeah, <laughs> I, I think that he's trying to tell people not to tell anyone that he is the son of God because, you know, it... Christians want to say that, oh, we're children of God. Oh, but Jesus is also a, ch- a child of God, but he's different. Like, what does that mean to to God? How How is that any right. different? Mm. Man, I just kind of had a revelation there. I did not, <laughs> I didn't realize that's what we we're going to go into. So going back to the, the, the documentary, it does feel like they are using media and celebrity and money to gain fame you know they they would argue that Mm. it's to glorify god but in in this in this first episode we see that uh what carl lentz that's the guy that's the Mm. guy that is the superstar of hillsong in the early days you know that he's he's palling around with justin bieber uh you can bleep that name out if you want uh you know they're 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 wearing three hundred dollars sneakers. They are they're embezzling. <laughs> I don't want to necessarily use that word, but they are they are asking for money to to glorify the kingdom. But that money is going to fulfill a lifestyle that these leaders want. It's not going to spread the word of Jesus. It is going into their pockets, and they're buying extravagant things for themselves. And can we talk just just one sec about the guy? I can't remember his name from the documentary, but he's featured pretty prominently, especially in the first couple episodes. The his he has the Instagram account Sneakers and Preachers. Yeah, I was how, thinking about him too. How funny that something so mundane. Which listen, I, I don't know what this guy's motive was for creating it. Because in my mind, if I created an Instagram like that, it would just be for fun. Uh, maybe yeah. maybe somewhere in there to to point out the absurdity of these preachers who are supposed to be living modestly, or at least that's how we kind of view how a preacher's lifestyle should be. But it's just funny that something so mundane turned out to be something that was so important, and yeah. they they just continuously went back to him in the documentary, and he had a lot of great things to say, and you could tell that he was. He understood the gravity of not just what his Instagram account did, because there were uh, many other underlying circumstances yeah. with with Hillsong, but it, it was a, it impacted him. Yeah, in a, even in, in, a, a in the third way. episode, which we'll get to, like he was getting emotional. He had to stop oh, yeah. for a second mm-hmm. and say, like, I don't know why I'm getting emotion about th- emotional about this, but you know, I just yeah, this is not right. <laughs> you know, he, right. oh man. Yeah, that that guy. I I want to be his friend. I want to buy him a drink. <laughs> yeah, me too. That dude seemed really cool. Because he, I think, based on what he was saying, it seemed like he was a Christian. He was a believer, and yet he yeah, was it not. Seemed like it. He it was not. He was not okay with what this church was doing. Right. And that's the kind of guy that I want to hang out with. So I don't know, CJ. Like I said, the first episode is exactly what you expect. A mega church that's kind of run like a business. They're not really doing what they're preaching and using the money that they're getting from the church. So I feel like this might be a good point. If you have anything else to say about the first episode, maybe we can move on to the first song. 
we can we can talk about some of my other things in the second episode just because there are um because it Carl Lentz's uh story continues on yeah. in the second episode. So uh but I do want to read a quote again, can't remember the name of the person that that said this uh on the first episode. Yeah, just watch but the it'll, documentary. If it'll curious. actually it'll actually um it's a good segue into the first song. This person said Quote, are you crying because the Lord is staging some kind of intervention in your life? Or are you crying because the chord structure is built to make you cry? Ooh. End quote. And of that was, course, that they was were in talking, the documentary? Yeah. And, and of course, this was in the context was they were talking about Hillsong worship, which, of course, at that point, it, the church was not called Hillsong. And so they took the Hillsong worship aspect, and because it was so influential, they changed the name of the actual church or churches for greater marketability in my mind, right? Because the the music was so popular, and we'll get into that after we listen to this song. But yeah, so are you moved to tears? Are you moved in a worship service because you truly are feeling the Holy Spirit and the presence of God? Or is it because the music is built to move and stir your spirit? That's that's a really important question to ask. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with asking that question as a Christian, e- even if you're still on fire and you're, you're practicing and you're going to church every Sunday. I, I feel like that's something you should ask yourself. And I think that that's a healthy thing to ask yourself. So we're going to listen to a Hillsong song, and this is Shout to the Lord. Mm. So you'll either hear that 30-second clip if you're a Spotify free user, you'll hear the whole song. And uh, we'll also link a YouTube video for it in the show notes. You can listen to it that way as well. We'll meet y'all back here in just a few. All right. Welcome back, neighbors. You just listened to Shout to the Lord from Hillsong. So, Luke, what'd you think? <laughs> Again. Um, so, you know, you, you talked about uh, are you feeling the Holy Spirit or are you feeling the, the music? And I do feel like, huh, feel. I, I, you know. Did you, you feel like you ate some bad Chinese? Uh, I feel like I warped back in time uh, 17 years. Um, yeah. So science tells us that we're basically all just different vibrations of, of matter, uh, and music is vibration. So, of course, humanity developed music, uh, and of course, we feel connected to music. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I felt something listening to the music of this because it kind of feels like I'd didn't have a choice in that. It felt engineered to make me feel something. <laughs> um, so that's how I feel about the music. Of course, it's the music is good. It, it, it it's powerful. You know the way that they use the mm-hmm. the building and and the way that the the drums do what they do. It, it, yeah, of course, it's gonna make you feel something if you're not listening to the lyrics because the lyrics made me think, "Thou doth protest too much." Methinks. Um, <laughs> And that's that's only because I've uh, watched the documentary. It, it, right. it definitely feels like it's more of a desire, a, a want 
to feel that way than actually feeling that way. Because nobody that sings these lyrics has ever really felt that way. They're hoping to feel the way that the lyrics are, are, are saying. Right, right. You know, so... It's, it's, you know, we use the word a lot, but it, it is a lot of fluff in this song. And th- we're not going to talk, we're not going to go as in-depth with our songs this week as we normally do because we want to make sure we're getting to the the meat and potatoes of this docu series but yeah the Di- uh Diane gosh I, I knew I was going to say the wrong name Darlene Check was the songwriter and she was actually the worship pastor at Hillsong uh from nine, 1996 to well into the 2000s and I I want to say 2007 that's what Wikipedia says, and, and I also saw that in a couple of other articles that I read on Darlene Check, but also some places say 2011, so I'm not really sure, but she was the worship pastor there for over 10 years, uh, 15 if you if you go with the 2011 uh, date. But anyway, so she wrote this song. She's also the vocalist and the worship leader. She's she's the vocalist, the lead vocalist that you hear in this song. Great voice, fantastic mm-hmm. yeah. voice. I mean, when it goes into that key change, I mean, she's just hitting every single note. And well, if you're trying it, to conquer the world with your music, why would you pick someone who has a bad voice? <laughs> <laughs> true, true. We always talk about how these praise and worship leaders have solid voices, but yeah. So she wrote the song in 1993. We talked about her being the worship pastor there at Hillsong. So, Luke, what is the word count here? What's the word? <sighs> and we're only playing this game because it, we have to. It's yeah. just, we, you got to. When it's a praise and worship song, you got to guess the word count. It's just uh, 58. Required. Oh, wow, man. Wow. Really close. 63. Oh! <gasps> 63 right. which surprised me i i wasn't expecting it to be quite that high i was also i was expecting high 40s low 50s before i saw the number but there the the verse the verse is kind of long i guess yeah. you could even consider it two verses there before the the chorus and the chorus is uh pretty long as well but yeah uh, 63 words and i also saw found a really cool fact about this song the the album that this song debuted on, which it was on many of of Hillsong's albums after the early '90s, but the the first album it was on, uh, "People Just Like Us" from 1994. This was the first Christian album in Australia to be certified gold and platinum. Wow! So we were we were joking uh, before we started listening to the song about the fact that it was the the gold edition. Uh, album Ugh. of the song but that's actually where that comes from because it it was certified gold and platinum first christian album in australia to yeah. to and do so which money, i thought was pretty so. cool yeah I've, i mean 100 million dollars a year probably most of that on uh from their music department but yeah there there are some verses here uh that the song references i mean it's kind of full of little little phrases here and there from the bible it's not just focusing on one verse, obviously this aspect of nature and and things in nature declaring God's holiness and righteousness and goodness are all over the place in um in the in this song and in the Bible as well, and especially the Psalms. So that's no real surprise there. But in the chorus, 
it it actually references Isaiah um, chapter 55, verse 12, where it says, For you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth into shouts of joy before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands, which they didn't include that in there, which I wish they would have. That's pretty cool imagery. But yeah, so there, there's a lot of biblical imagery in the song. But like I said, it, they're, they're all very short little snippets from uh, several different texts. And so it's kind of, it's almost like someone read the Bible in a couple of days and said, <laughs> I got an idea for a song, yeah. you know, but yeah, this is kind of the bread and butter. This is what put Hillsong on the map. Yeah. This this song and then the subsequent album, People Just Like Us. And so it's important to talk about that because the music of Hillsong has been so important to so many people. And I read a or I I watched a review on YouTube of this docu-series, and it was by the creator The Beat by Alan Parr. And in this, who I assume is Alan, a super seems like a super cool guy. He basically said, we can't swear off the music aspect of Hillsong because this documentary wasn't about the music leaders or the songwriters. The leadership at Hillsong doesn't diminish what the music department has done for praise and worship music. And those are those are my words kind of paraphrasing his point of it always it always kind of comes back to well all of this shady stuff has happened with this church or with this artist with it does it could be a secular artist and how do we go about reconciling the the art with the artists or in this case the church with the congregants and the members of the church and even the leadership of the church we don't have any information on the music as the 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 people leading worship in in this church so should we just say no hillsong songs uh, a church that is healthy and that has a lot of integrity and character should they say we're not going to do hillsong songs anymore um, yeah can you separate because, the art from the artists well and i and i guess there is a little bit it is a little bit different if these churches are declaring their songs and are actually uh with an accredited institution because if they are, they have to say like, oh, this week we played a Chris Tomlin song and we played a David Crowder song and we played three Hillsong songs and they get compensation for that. So should you be should you be playing these songs where you're directly these these artists are directly getting kickbacks? Yeah. And I say directly, well, the church is getting the kickback and we all know how they are with money. So yeah, it's just an it's just a an interesting question to ask, and I think we've all asked that in recent years with a lot of allegations coming out about different musicians and different um, directors of movies and producers and things like that. And you have to ask that question: Is it can you separate the art from the artists? And I don't have the answer to that. Me that's either. just a question that I'm. Yeah. That's just a question that I'm posing. And, right? and I think that's a question that each individual has to ask themselves because they're really right. From my perspective, there really isn't an answer because the content can be deeply, uh, deeply meaningful to me. But I disagree with the the content creator 
as a whole. I didn't think I would talk about this guy in this in this instance, but uh, Jordan Peterson, very pl- problematic figure. Uh, I disagree with a lot of the things that he says socially and politically. But when he talks about uh, the book of Genesis in his lectures, I get a lot out of it. And right. I, I know that <laughs> I'll probably get hate from people uh, who, who may listen to this and have strong feelings about this man. Yeah, I, me too. I get it. He's not a good guy necessarily, but he is a psychologist and he approached the Old Testament from a uh, psychological aspect. And man, I've never understood the book of Genesis more and, I, and I've benefited from it. But I think he has some very, very flawed ideas about social and political aspects of society. I do not agree with this man on a lot of things. But, you know, uh, I think it was in, what was it? Uh, Crime and Punishment, Dostoevsky. He's uh, one of the characters says, if you judge a man by all aspects of life, I'm paraphrasing, but if you judge a man by all aspects of life, then no one is good. You know, right. so yeah, just because you don't like the person doesn't mean they don't have valuable things to say. And it feels like a dangerous thing to say in this climate, but that's we're getting really far away from <laughs> what we wanted to talk about. <laughs> I, I want to get into uh, episode two where they really dig into uh, Carl Lentz, the superstar, the golden boy of Hillsong. And man, this this guy, he, he's a troubled man. I kind of feel bad for him. I, you know what, I do too. I really feel like he was a scapegoat. And oh, for sure. Listen, listen, not squeaky clean, right? Yeah, I'm not, not saying that, he you know, didn't yeah. deserve the backlash and the things that happened. Not a scapegoat that, that and happened. the fact that he was innocent and took the fall, but right, the yeah, scapegoats above, probably not yeah, the best. The people term, above but, him were so much worse that they were looking for somebody to blame. <laughs> Oh yeah, and they got him. They got him. And I guess I guess the thing with 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 Carl Lentz hanging out with Justin Bieber, shout out to all my believers out there. And really? Uh and what? I like Justin Bieber. And all of the all of the other celebrities and big names and obviously they're using this to their advantage and in trying to draw more people. I mean, heck, how, what do you think the percentage was in the, at their New York campus of people who were truly going to church to, to worship God and to get something out of it, to be energized for the next week and, uh, versus the amount, the percentage of people that were there because they might be able to see Justin Bieber or whoever they were, they were there to see a celebrity. I mean, I got to think that the percentage has to be split pretty evenly. I can't, I just can't imagine that all of those people were going there with pure intentions and not <laughs> with the expectation that they were going to see a celebrity. Yeah, I, I was actually I thinking it was more like 60-40, 70-30, people going there sincerely versus people going there for something okay. else. But you might be right. But I, I mean, I could I, buy into it. What I find more interesting is why. what were the celebrities going there for? Well, I think just – I mean, I don't want to speak for, for the Biebs, but I think <laughs> – Wow, you really are. I think I think Justin Bieber has gone through some really unfortunate stages in his life. I I mean, he was a kid when he first became this this huge sensation, and he never had a chance to really experience things. And so, I, I think there's an experimentation aspect there. And and probably really going with good intentions, 
yeah, he's being lit up by the paparazzi and that's that's a whole other discussion. But yeah, I, I don't – for from, from Justin Bieber, I think he was legitimately trying to get something out of it. I think probably Carl Lentz's style of preaching – uh, from the snippets that I saw in the documentary, and I, ha- I should probably go on YouTube and listen to a full sermon, if you want to call what he does preaching. But there, it was probably a pretty feel-good thing, right? God loves you. Uh, God cares about you. And he probably made it fun, and he had funny stories to tell, and he probably had moving stories to tell, and he hit all the right notes at the right times which is one reason why he was their golden boy, but also because he was young and attractive and had a beautiful family and all of those other things that go into finding a leader and finding someone that is going to be marketable. But yeah, I I don't know. Well, so you kind of led me into what I really wanted to talk about on uh, the second episode with Carl Lentz. He, Carl Lentz preached so hard about sexual impurity. Purity culture. Yes, he that was the thing for him where you were honoring God if you didn't have sex before marriage and you were a bad person if you had sex before marriage to the point where in the documentary there were couples that came forward and confessed and they were treated like they were Satan like they they were treated so poorly for confessing you know they were not given this idea of forgiveness that the church preached about they they were they were treated like they they were punished they were you could almost even say abused mentally for trying to do the right thing and that's what i found really troubling because that's what i experienced as a christian too is that you just couldn't be honest unless you were going to be judged uh yeah which is so funny because jesus said do not judge unless you're willing to be judged <laughs> because yeah. no one is righteous and so I, go ahead well i was just gonna say i wrote a few sentences about purity culture and i'll just read exactly what i type purity culture is impure it's evil it's shameful that a victim of sexual assault feels shame for doing nothing wrong yeah it's disgusting mm-hmm. that's all i wrote about it because it's so painful to hear those stories because it's so true and it and it is the leading cause in my mind and for me of the sinfulness and the shame that i felt for doing nothing wrong for doing nothing wrong listen I'm going to be completely upfront. If you're listening with your kids and you don't want them to hear this, maybe skip ahead a few seconds. I was a virgin before I got married. I was a virgin when I got married. <laughs> so I guess how I should say that. I had never had sex before. But even just the thoughts, the these these quote unquote impure thoughts that I had as a hormonal raging teenage boy were so shameful. No one had to tell me they were shameful when I was having them because no one knew what I was thinking. I thought about those things and that brought so much shame to me. And to hear this young lady tell this yeah. story where she can't even be honest without fear of repercussions and then to be telling this to a female staff member mm-hmm. who shows yeah. no compassion, that is evil. Yeah. Okay. You cannot justify that to me. 
I don't care how you split it. I am angry about yeah. that because I've experienced that, but on a micro scale compared to what this young lady did. And it is absolutely, it makes me sick to my stomach. Yeah, man. I, I got really... mad whenever that girl was telling the story about a, uh, a praise and worship leader who was related to a senior pastor of some capacity. Oh man. Ugh. And then she was sexually assaulted. Well, she was physically assaulted. You know, I, I wasn't there. I don't know. But she was physically slashed. There were, yeah. Yeah. It there was were sexual improper. Impl- yeah. There were yeah. sexual implications to a physical assault. And she felt bad. She didn't want to say anything because she didn't want to hurt the family of the guy who assaulted her. Meanwhile, she is being hurt by the thing that happened to her. And it's, that's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's and, unbelievable. And, and I'm mad about it, but when I was watching it with my wife, Brittany, she was physically angry. <laughs> like, she was so mad. She, oh, man. I And, and you, uh, you, you, have, you have people who try to ask the question, why, if you were a victim, why don't you come forward? And this documentary did a really good job of showing the reasons why people do not come forward. And it's, it's a shame that you're supposed to feel safe. You're at someone's house. You're in the house of God. During, well, well, uh, she was at someone's house for a, for a church yeah. function, you know, but it was still church related. Mm-hmm. This happens to her and she still feel, feels like she can't come forward and tell yeah. anyone about it. I just thought the documentary did a good job and, and they didn't really like make it a point to say, well, this is why victims don't come forward. But to me, that's what it screamed was yeah. this is exactly why, because they fear they fear payback. And if they're a whistleblower, there's going to be some type of retaliation. And this, ah, man. I, so uh, to, to bring it back to the episode, because I, I we're both <laughs> amped about this topic. To bring it back to the episode and bring it, bringing it back to Carl Lentz, he preached so much about sexual purity. And the, the big thing that was revealed in the second episode was that he was having an affair. He uh, met this woman in a park and led her to believe that he was getting a divorce, even though he wasn't doing that. And and he had a relationship with this woman outside of his marriage for at least six months, if not longer. Right. Uh, yeah, I think it was uh, I think it was somewhere around half a year, something like that. Um, and I'm not going to focus any attention on her. I don't think that she did anything wrong necessarily, even though she knew he was married. He was the one who was married. He was the one preaching about sexual purity. So I'm going to focus on him because that is the epitome of hypocrisy. But she's uh, a woman and tempted him into it, right? I mean, that's that's kind of the culture we live in is where the female did something wrong. I'm obviously being facetious I here. I'm sorry. Say, I, sh- I shouldn't. I shouldn't. <laughs> make light i should uh, i shouldn't make light of it but but the fact of the matter is that i mean i'm sure there were plenty of people when this came out christians blaming her for what happened like oh, she was sure. the instigator she, she was the one she's that, middle eastern right. too so of course there were christians. oh yeah yeah there, of course there were christians who said oh mm-hmm. she she was not a christian and she tempted him and i'm just like yeah that, Sorry. Uh, yeah, I didn't mean to didn't mean to interrupt. That's you. okay. We can uh bleep out all the important words. 
<laughs> it's gonna keep coming back. I'm sorry. I'll stop. I'll stop. Okay, so I no, um, I I've talked about this before. I don't know if if I've talked about this in any episodes that have released yet, but um, there is a modern philosopher that I follow, uh, Peter Rollins, who has talked about the repressed other, and I was trying to mm-hmm. find articles, commentary about what that meant, so that I had something to back up what I've heard him talk about. But the only thing that I could find was um, Freud and Carl Jung's idea of repression. Freud's idea of repression is something traumatic. Happens happens you repress it so that you don't have to deal with it that's an oversimplification if anybody wants to give more information about that i'm more than willing to discuss it that's not what i'm trying to talk about here uh carl Jung's interpretation of repression uh, i'm going to read from one of his i'm not sure if this is a book or an essay uh the philosophical tree so uh, i'm going to quote this in the course of okay so (laughs) it took me a lot of times reading this and thinking about this to understand what i think he mean what i think he means okay so in the course of development following puberty consciousness is confronted with affective tendencies impulses and fantasies which for a variety of reasons is not willing or able to assimilate it then reacts with repression in various forms in the effort to get rid of the trouble troublesome intruders the general rule is that the more negative the conscious attitude is the more it resists devalues and is afraid the more repulsive aggressive and frightening is the face which the dissociated content assumes so there was a lot of big words there and it took me a long time to feel comfortable with these words but it does seem to say that in puberty our animalistic impulses kind of conflict with society Mm. and the more society pushes back against those impulses the more we vilify those impulses and even though those impulses exist you know we 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 demonize those things and so those sexuality is not evil society and certain cultures can vilify those things and therefore in an effort to fit into society we Again, it goes back to that idea of what I said from Shakespeare, thou doth protest too much, methinks. Carl Lentz is preaching so hard against sexual impurity. Man, he must be really struggling with his own uh, sexual impulses. Yeah. You know, it's the thing you talk about the most is usually the thing that you struggle with the most. Yeah. And he comes and it, and it comes to light that he was cheating on his wife as a preacher, you know. And so often we've heard stories of political figures who talk about family values and sexual impurity come out as having sex scandals. And it, it, I mean, it's just, it just seems so obvious that the thing that you talk about the most, whether you're talking about it positively or negatively, it's something that you identify with. So if you're preaching against sexual impurity, and that's all you ever talk about. And you see it in the documentary. That's the biggest thing he's talked about. Clearly, he struggles with it. Mm-hmm. So. And and what, what, okay, as a pastor, as a church leader, even just as a human being, how would you, what would be the harm in, in confessing those types of things to 
to other Christians, to a congregation. Not 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 to say like, yo, <laughs> I've been having an affair with this girl for for 6 months. I don't necessarily mean that. I just mean in terms of there the church should be a safe place, right? It should yeah. be a place where if I'm if I'm a member of your church and I'm struggling with man, all I do is watch porn. Like I get home from work and as soon as I get home, I go in the back room and I put my earbuds in and I just watch porn all the time. There there should be a, a safe place for someone who now I happen to think that there's nothing wrong with watching porn, but I definitely understand that there can be addictions there. Yeah, but your and, problem and is there's with nothing the addiction. Wrong with that. It's not with the the medium. Well, that well, you but have even addiction. so, but I know that Christians for the most part are not okay with porn. And so my point being like, I should be able to say, look, I, I look, I, I watch porn, you know, a couple of times a week, or even if it is a, a problem and a, um, a, an addiction, uh, something unhealthy, you still should be able to, to go to church members without fear of gossip or retaliation or anything like that in just a safe space to say, this is a problem that I have, and this is an issue that I have, and I'm working through it, and I'm trying to come out the other side, but I need some guidance. And you, what you need is you need leaders who are not going to red light you <laughs> like Hillsong yeah. does, right? Leaders who are going to love you and and support you and say, I'm sorry that you're going through this. Let's look at ways that we can fix this in a constructive, healthy way and not as, like you said, a repressed way. Because guess what? <laughs> Sexual repression it doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, conversion therapy, it doesn't work. It The only thing that works is having a healthy outlet to talk about it mm -hmm. with people who are not going to judge you and who are not going to point their finger at you and throw the Bible at you. And, you know, I, I'm getting a little fired up again. Yeah. But, but the point being, the leadership is there to lead and the leadership is there to support so that when its weakest members can be built up and can be on the same yeah. level playing field as the strongest members. And so I, I really like that you brought up the repression aspect because it's, it's so true. And that's why abstinence only sex education does not work. <laughs> that's yeah. why uh, you have to be able to teach young people that sex is good. But as G.K. Chesterton is uh, quoted as saying, the first thing you should teach children about sex is that sex is, is good and it's beautiful. But the second thing you should teach them is that it can be dangerous. Yeah. And that's a healthy outlook in a, in a nutshell. Obviously, there are lots of dynamics and stuff with that. But it, it all comes back to purity culture and it all comes back to just thinking that Repress, repressing those sexual desires or making them making people feel like they are not normal for having sexual desires as a 16, 17 year old kid is somehow not normal. It's normal. It's fine. And, and you should be 
happy that you are a normal functioning yeah. uh, young person. Yeah, that should be – yeah, you're not. And that's that's really what it comes back down to in my mind. So I uh, – man, very well said. Um, but I, I would like to end uh, our discussion of episode two on on this. Going back to – uh, Matthew chapter six, where it says, "Be beware of practicing your righteousness before other people," you know, not making a show of it. Um, what's what I find interesting is that the previous chapter, uh, Jesus tells the parable of the uh, the workers of the field, and there are um, workers that agreed to work a day in the vineyard for a sum of money. A specific sum of money, and uh, in the last hour of the day, the the master of the vineyard uh, found some people not working and said, "Hey, why are you not working?" And those people said, "No one's hired us." So he said, "All right, I'll hire you to work in the vineyard, even though there's only one hour left in the day." I'm, again, paraphrasing. And uh, at the end of the day, everyone received the same. The same payment and jesus said that this is this is what the kingdom of heaven is like and of course the people who worked you know 11 hours for that day were angry that the people who worked for the last hour got the same payment the master of the vineyard says why are you upset did you not agree to work this day for this payment you know am i not able to do what i want to do with my money and so, obviously, this is an absurd thing. <laughs> I, I feel like Jesus is actually trying to be absurd. Not necessarily a joke, maybe a joke, but if you're, you know, if you are working for the kingdom of God, what does it matter if you've been doing it your whole life? Your goal is to convert people. And so, if you can, if you just converted somebody, you only get a lot of people in a church for being there for a long time and, and working. And so, you know, those, those senior pastors, those worship leaders, and these mega churches, I feel like they think they deserve more. And that's maybe it's not every mega church, but it's definitely evident in this documentary for Hillsong. Mm-hmm. They they feel like they deserve more and they can get away with more because they serve God longer so that they have more forgiveness for the things that they do. It, it, it feels like, you know, the these positions of power that people can have, especially in a church, but you could also say in, in politics or in, in any situation where people have power. There is a trust aspect there, you know, teachers, um, church members, politicians. There is a level of trust there because politicians, Hmm. politicians are elected. So some people trust them. Church members have been there a long time and, and preach about being godly. So there's a level of trust there. But those positions also seem to allow for predators. Yeah. I um and, and it just feels like that's kind of what Carlins was doing. He was trying to repress his own insecurities and preying on people to try to convince them that he was not that. 
Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, my final take on the second episode actually comes from uh, Brian Houston, obviously the senior pastor of Hillsong. When all of the scandals and stuff start coming out, right? Mm -hmm. He says something, basically, this is not a direct quote. I even put it in quotes and then put Brian Houston, basically. Don't trust what other people say. Trust me. Mm. And then at the, toward the end of the episode, it must have been pretty close to the end because it was the last thing I put on episode two notes. This was Brian Houston, actually, quote, I'm not sure a church can be too big. I, I remember that quote, too. Cult, 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 cult. <laughs> I mean, uh, come on, those I two, those two, stop from weeping. Yeah, those two quotes are one, one quote and one basically a quote <laughs> because the, he was saying, don't don't listen to the media. Don't listen to what these people yeah. are coming out and saying. Just listen to the church and we're going to God's going to turn this around and he's going to take what Satan's trying to do and yeah. Whatever. So he's saying, don't trust other outside sources. Trust me, which is just has cult written all over yeah. it. And you kind of spoke to that right before I chimed in just now of manipulation and this aspect of not, tr not really believing what you preach and just doing it because it's yeah. a way to get control. more power. Yeah. It's a way to control people more. It's a way to get more money and have more people tithing more and it's just all around a, an unfortunate um circumstance episode two was just yeah. jam-packed and and there was so much in that episode Yeah, man, we could, again, we say this every episode, we could keep going. And there's a lot more to the documentary. We are just scratching the surface, but we are going to move on to the next uh, segment. And that's going to be the song that I picked. And to introduce this song, I want to, what's the word? Um, 63. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want to comment on a previous comment of mine which is in a previous episode where i said alicia cara has one of the best voices since i think i said christina aguilera and, yep. <laughs> and uh man in the last week i remembered um man i'm drawing a blank now alicia keys man oh uh holy crap yeah alicia keys what you got for like ak's and a ac's alicia cara alicia <clears throat> keys um yeah you know just uh women of color yeah i don't know i, I, I i've <laughs> noticed the pattern too i didn't want to talk about it <laughs> uh but man uh youtube suggested to me a um, and I, I hope our listeners, please let go and watch this on YouTube. There is a live performance, I believe in Times Square, it looks like it's Times Square, where Alicia Keys is doing uh, 
uh, a song. She brings out Questlove after a point to to oh, play I the drums, Questlove. and she brings out John Mayer to play guitar while she's playing okay. piano. Oh man, I mm-hmm. I get choked up watching that performance, and I've watched it a couple times in the last week, and both times I was just like ready to ball, you know. Ooh. So. Uh, the song that I'm going to pick, we're not going to do the the YouTube version because it's not going to be, I don't think it's going to be on Spotify, but uh, to contrast what we've been talking about, we're going to listen to If I Ain't Got You by Alicia Keys. All right. We're going to listen to the song. You guys can obviously do the same. It's going to come up and it's either going to be a 30 second clip for our free users or the full song for premium. Or you can check the link in the show notes, and we got you covered on that front as well. So we're going to listen to If I Ain't Got You by Alicia Keys. We'll be back. In just a sec. Welcome back, everyone. We just listened to Alicia Keys' uh, If I Ain't Got You. When When I first heard this song, it was when we were talking about the Hillsong documentary, and I was like, oh, great, this this speaks, this is definitely directly rebuking the things that Hillsong is doing, and listening to it again, I, I just, oh man, this song is so good, <laughs> it's so rich, it, it really, it, 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 it was not speaking to me in a way of contradicting you know, fundamentalist Christianity, it was actually speaking to me as in relationships, you know, like when I, when I watched the live performance, I was getting choked up and I didn't know why I just, I felt the music like we were talking about earlier and man, everything that this song is talking about, that some people live for fame and fortune. The line that really sticks out to me is that, uh, that the physical things define what's within it. Yeah, that was a line that I really Man. gravitated toward. I mean, the the physical things will won't exist at some point, and so the only thing that matters is your relationships with people. And man, it's that really hits me, man. What did you think about the song? I know we talked about. You said that you think you heard the song before, but <sighs> yeah, yeah, I've I've heard the song before. I just didn't recognize it from the title, but. I mean, every everything you said, uh, setting the song up, her voice is just absolutely insane. And she she has this really great songwriting style. Look, just very briefly to go into the music, she's using seventh chords through this whole thing, like G major seven, E minor seven, B minor seven, C major seven. Um, there, she does some walk downs from like a B minor seven to a B flat minor seven, uh, to an A. It's just, oh, say man. it. Uh, someone, okay, I'm gonna say it just this one time. It's nasty, but it's the good kind of nasty. It's not the nasty of purity culture, right? <laughs> it's not the nasty That's never how we of use the, the corruption. Word nasty. We say nasty. It's not the, cor- <laughs> I don't, I know. Um, no, and she uses the D9 chord, which I am famous for loving. Uh, we, we listened to, 
uh, Cademan's Call and Derek Webb loves a D9 chord. So when you see a D9 in a song, it's just oof. It, it's it's nasty. And it, it, the walk downs and everything are just fantastic. And really the walk ups too. I mean, you've got the G to an A to a B, G, A, B, C. And then she walks it back down. It, it's so oh, it's I've so said it good. before, but uh, the phrase hauntingly beautiful comes out again it it is it's it, it's so the the piano is so pretty here but it's also dark and the lyrics also reflect that it is very dark because of you know so much of humanity these days is about seeking the superficial and yet she's claiming that that's all bullshit and what matters is relationship and i don't know if i have anything else to say beyond that because the song is so good everything means nothing i love i love that that line because it's so okay uh, i'm hit i'm i'm beating a dead horse here but i really didn't mean to that line is so pure Mm -hmm. it's it comes it seems like it's coming from a genuine place of just being present and and acknowledging the fact that just because you have all of these pretty things and you have all of the things i mean she goes through a list throughout the song of things that people feel like they need from their lover or from other people diamond rings and and um you just in general wanting it all as she talks about wanting uh, three dozen roses to prove that that someone loves them and having the world on a silver platter the all of these themes it it just comes from a place that really seems genuine and i don't know i, I well, just to, to speak on that I, the 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 genuine aspect again the what reminded me of this song was the, the YouTube video that I saw, it was a live performance. And she does the first verse and chorus solo. There are backup singers, there's other people on stage. And then after that, she brings up Questlove and he starts playing the drums. And then she says, you know, I, I want to bring out my, my other good friend, John Mayer. And he starts, man, he just licks that guitar <laughs> so hard. It's so good. <laughs> and then... uh she continues singing and then he sings her song and man, it is powerful because they cut to her face and she, she's either the greatest actor that ever lived or she is the happiest person that ever lived. And, <laughs> and, and, and then he, he sings her song and plays guitar to it. And then she sings his song after he goes into the gravity, his gravity song and she sings that and it just the look on their faces when they they see each other and they're sing singing each other's songs man there is there's something spiritual yeah. about that there's something so I mean, real and honest that they are just having fun doing what they love together and it's oh that's why i was getting choked up it it's just seeing their faces Oh, I can't. I can't, man. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, 
and the depth the depth of the lyrics it's so, so hill song <laughs> so this uh, episode three yeah um, let's bring it down do you want to well maybe take the reins yeah here? i episode three goes into abuse both sexual and otherwise and it really fucking sucks that this mega church that has expanded over dozens of countries started who abused children and this person's son seemed to have covered it up denied that he knew it was happening yet it came out that he knew it was happening we all know that that's wrong and i don't want i don't want to focus on that because not not because um I don't want to diminish the significance of it. I don't want to focus on it because we we it, all know we all know it's, it's wrong. Like we all know that that's yeah messed up, and, and I don't want to try to tell people why I think it's wrong because it's obviously it's wrong. And again, I just don't want to diminish it. It is I you know. I I had a lot of reflection uh, when the when the docu series ended after the third episode, and um, I I wrote this down, and it hurts because I I feel I feel like like you said I I don't want to diminish anything, and and I know as my best friend you you know that that's not what I'm mm-hmm. doing when I when I read this. But I, I just want the the listeners to be in the know that this is that I'm not diminishing anything. But I, I did write this down. It sucks to feel like a victim of a church as a deconstructed Christian, as someone who feels like the church wronged me in some way and didn't equip me properly, didn't um didn't set me up for this time in my life when I was going to be deconstructed and so I feel like a victim and and to be clear I wrote this down in during the second episode but then I went back and I wrote the same thing feeling like a victim of a church during deconstruction and then I put something after that and I put verses actually being a victim of a church, being a victim of someone that you're supposed to trust implicitly. Like there's not supposed to be any doubt that you can trust this leader and this person who's preaching the gospel. And and I it hurt me so bad because when I saw that those those hand, handful of words feeling like a victim of a church during reconstruction or during deconstruction and then watch the third episode it just it destroyed me because i felt so selfish and i felt so dirty and and i it, it just breaks my heart man i not not necessarily what i wrote i mean that's that was what i was feeling during the second episode that's what i was thinking but then when it springs this third episode and you really see the depth and and the extent that the abuse and the victimization went, it just made me 
feel a little icky that I wrote that in the first place because there are actual victims. Am I a victim? Maybe. Maybe you could argue that. Maybe maybe you are too. But it just – nothing compares to to what happens in episode three and it, it just – it just kills me that yeah. that I had those two separate thoughts, and and I just wanted to, I guess, <laughs> you know, confess that and come clean about that. And, and I'm coming at it from a gut shot reaction, right? That that first phrase that I wrote down was was genuine, and but actually being a victim of of sexual abuse and manipulation and emotional abuse, spiritual abuse, yeah. right? I mean, that's that's what this is, and and it just. I just, I just feel, I, I don't, the, the, the third episode just kind of destroyed yeah. me a little bit. It's, it's rough. Yeah. And, and it, it, it's really frustrating to me. I, I'm sure to you too, but specifically it's like your deal. If you believe what you say, you believe you're dealing with other people's eternity beyond their life. You're, you're playing with it. You're, you don't really believe what you think you believe. If you believe that, that the person that you're talking to may go to hell and you don't say something about it, then you're a hypocrite. And I'm not trying to empower fundamentalists. I, I, I'm just saying that if you, if you take that opportunity that you have as a church leader and do what Hillsong has, has done man i if god really exists i don't know what you think you are gonna get when you die but man (laughs) man i am i this is not again i say i said this a lot this episode this is not where i thought we would go but it is it is betrayal beyond what you know if, if you believe in an afterlife this is a betrayal beyond what could ever happen to you in this life I the only the only note other note I took during episode three, just because I was kind of gobsmacked. So Brian Houston wrote this this church mission statement, Uh, right? Way back way back in in the day. We haven't mentioned it before, but he is the the son of the guy who basically started Hillsong and Brian Houston is the face of Hillsong. And was like the mentor of Carl Lentz, who we talked about earlier. Right. Um, Brian Houston wrote his his church mission statement slash vision, whatever you want to call it, called The Church I See. And they kind of splice it in there, here and there throughout the three episodes. But a mission statement for a church is is important, right? It's an important step for any church and their movement going forward. However, the level of manipulation... Mm-hmm. The level of power grabbing, money grabbing, abuse completely nullifies your cute little mission statement. The end does not justify the means. And that was my, I mean, that was not my biggest takeaway from episode three because some of the stuff in that episode is going to haunt me for a long time. But you can't just talk about the church that you see. And the church that you envision, and you are not doing the things 
that are going to get you there. If you had come forward and told people about your dad and the things that your dad had done from Jump Street from from day one when you found out about it, we wouldn't be having this conversation about your church and about this docu-series. But the fact that you're going to tout this mission statement when you clearly don't believe it, this is why people leave the church. This is why people deconstruct. If they don't leave the church, this is why people deconstruct. And this is why people question everything they've been taught up to this point is because they don't believe that the people in power, the people in position of leadership are practicing what they preach. And yeah, it's what I talked about from, uh, I believe Matthew five is the, the people that work the vineyard, uh, think that they're better than the people who worked later in the day, you know, it's, yeah. And I do want to mention this, this YouTube review that I watched from, um, the beat by Alan Parr. And I'll link this in the show notes, uh, Hillsong, a mega church exposed documentary. My reaction is the name of the video, but I'll, I'll link it for you guys. He had a great quote toward the end of the review where he said, quote, Charisma should never be a substitute for character. And <laughs> as much as I love that quote, it's a very churchy Sunday school way of saying, stop being a fucking hypocrite. Yeah. And so I that's without going into the details of episode three, that's where I can kind of leave it is put your actions where your mouth is, right? Yeah. Think about what you are teaching and then ask yourself, am I living the things that I'm teaching? Am I abiding in God by telling people that uh, that we should love each other, that we should treat each other and with with respect and we should love one another when I'm not really preaching that? Or to take it to Carl Lentz's side, Am I preaching about being pure and not being adulterous, but I'm doing the very thing that I'm saying not to yeah. do? It goes it goes many levels, and it's not just Carl Lentz, and it's not just Brian Houston. There are plenty of uh, – and Brian Houston's father, I can't remember his first name, which I don't care. His name really shouldn't be said on this podcast as far as I'm concerned. But, you know, just stop being – a fucking hypocrite. Yeah. And that's the only and, way I can say We're really not just that. trying to, uh, <laughs> to use church language, uh, crucify Hillsong. We are, we are antagonizing the idea of preaching against the thing that you, the thing that you are involved in. Uh, we're, we're, pre- we're, we're antagonizing hypocrisy. And I will be the first to say, I am a hypocrite. I should not be doing this podcast because I have done terrible things and think terrible things. And, you know, very recently in my history, I I am a hypocrite. And, you know, acknowledging that is why I want to do this podcast. You know, I want to be a good person. Do I think I'm a good person? No. (laughs) But... This is kind of a therapy for me to get out the things that I, I I think should be out in the world, not because I am above it, but because I want to 
uh, I, I want to embody it. Well, and and to be fair, you're you're absolutely right. We're all we're all hypocrites. Not just me and Luke. Not just Brian Houston or Carl Lentz. We're all hypocrites. But we're not in leadership positions in a church where we're talking about the kingdom of heaven and we're causing hell on earth. That that is really what it comes down to. You're preaching the kingdom of heaven and you're creating hell on earth for some yeah. people. And I mean, just look at the volunteers. Can we talk about that yeah, for a second? I, I, I wasn't sure if we were going to talk about that. I wanted to talk about that, but then we really got into the, uh, the really bad stuff. Hey, Freddie. <laughs> Um, um, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. So, a, uh, Brian Houston talked about in, in the last episode, we, we heard him say that, oh yeah, these volunteers have been here since 5am and they'll be here long after we've left the church, uh, and they're not getting paid for it. And he sees that as a virtue, but yeah. Oh my God. You're, you're, you're abusing people for free labor. <laughs> You, you're telling them that they're they're getting reward. Well, you pocket all the yeah, profits. Yeah, you you are charging people to hear you speak, and then you are making people work for you for free. Like, I, I mean, I, it's slave labor, yeah. and 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 there's a such a sweet moment. It's it's heartbreaking, but it's sweet when the the uh, the volunteer from their Boston campus. And, and again, I can't, I can't remember any of these people's names. I'm so sorry. Some but of them maybe. She, she's just talking about how she just wanted a place where she felt loved and accepted. And she finally woke up to the realization that, uh, oh, I can't believe we're doing I can't believe we get to do yeah. this, right? That was their mantra. And you know what? When you take that phrase, I can't believe we get to do this, and you turn it just a little bit and you and you tweak the intonation, it goes from ah, I can't believe we get to do this to I can't believe we get to do this. Right? And when it becomes you you start to realize that you're being used and you're being manipulated because all you wanted was just to be a part of something bigger than yourself yeah. and greater than yourself and it, it's just it's so i think i feel like that's what church is for a lot of people is and this is not a bad thing at all this is not a knock at at churches or at the people that attend but i i do believe that for a lot of people church is a place where you can go and not be mm -hmm. judged and and not feel attacked Outwardly. and just be yourself i love yeah and i love the fact that you know if, if i can say anything positive about a church like hillsong or some of these more contemporary modern churches you can show up. I can show up in sweatpants and a t-shirt and no one's going to bat an eye because I grew up being taught uh, that you had to wear your Sunday best and you had to wear nice clothes to church and they're kind of bucking that trend. And so you could just be yourself and be whoever you want to yeah. be. I can wear all of my clothes from circa... 2005 all of my black band t-shirts and go in with my black hair and my lip ring and feel like I'm not being judged because I feel like I'm in a, in a safe place mm -hmm. 
So I, I definitely have to give credit to these churches who are trying to buck that trend. The problem is with Hillsong is they are manipulating these quote unquote volunteers into doing all their dirty work, not paying them, and then patting them on the back and saying, see you next Sunday. Yeah. I can't believe you get to do this. And it's it's just gross and icky. The whole documentary made me feel just bad. And uh, yeah. Yeah, but we, we highly recommend that you watch it so that you feel bad about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah watch watch um, some funny youtube videos or something afterward because you will walk away feeling icky and feeling a little gross and which i think is necessary yeah. for for this you need to see the truth and you need to hear the truth and make your own informed choices and and decisions but you can't deny what this church has done yeah So, uh, speaking of doing something funny afterwards, you know what's coming next. Oh. Uh, I have a game for you, CJ, yeah. called Mine or Divine. All right, this let's do it. This is when I quiz CJ on a, uh, a church sign that I have seen or a church sign that I made up. So, CJ, mm-hmm. social distancing does not apply to God. Oh, is this man. mine or divine? Social distancing doesn't apply to God. <sighs> okay. <laughs> I have my answer. And before I give my answer, well, I'm going to give the justification for my answer. I feel like a lot of churches were a little salty about social distancing aspects and about maybe having to go online with their church services because uh, I know a lot of places got shut down and you couldn't even go to church. Uh, even the, there were news articles. I don't know how uh, reputable they were, but there were news articles about not allowing churches to even sing during the church services if they had congregants and blah, 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 blah. But I'm going to say also- because of yeah. that, I was just going to say, but you also know that I may be trying to trick you, you know. I Yeah, listen, I'm always thinking that because I know your your evil ways. But <laughs> my, my original answer, and I'm going to stick with it, is that it was divine. This is an actual you church song. You got one right. Ding, 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 Oh, ding. yeah. That's actually my second yeah. one right. That's my second one. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember the other one I got right, but... Uh, so yeah. the the actual I, I did do some editorializing. The full sign says uh, social distancing does not apply to God. Draw near to Him. <laughs> if I had, if I had said draw near to Him, you would have. Abs- How big is that church sign? <laughs> uh, it's three three lines big. Oh, okay. It just seemed like it was more more than that. Pictures of the church sign that I pass every day to take the baby to daycare. It they usually have some pretty 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 good ones, but you wouldn't be able to use those in the podcast, <laughs> obviously. But but maybe I mean maybe I would forget. I don't know. Some sometimes they're they're pretty outlandish. They had one that got so much it kind of went viral in the area, and they had to take it down because it was. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you what this one said that they that they have ended up taking. So down. this is a this is a divine. 
Yeah, this is an actual church sign in my town. This is about, an actual divine. Uh, about two miles from my house or so on the way to daycare. Forgiveness means swallowing when you want to spit. Oh, that was definitely one that <laughs> that was definitely one that I saw too. Uh, Man, uh, it got on, it got so on the internet. Uh, yeah. I pulled I specifically over, I have pulled not over sh- on the side of the road, on the side of the highway to take a picture of the sign. Oh, man. Man, Freddie is just licking your tricep yeah. so hard. Yeah. He, yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> I specifically did not choose that one because I knew <laughs> that you would know that I, I feel like you would have known that I made it up, even though it's an actual church sign. <laughs> <laughs> Um and one one God, day the one day we'll release the uh the picture of uh of you next to the church sign that said you must be this tall to enter heaven. Oh yeah, <laughs> when I was on your shoulders. I think you were on John's shoulders. Uh, John. Oh okay. And then we we also there was also a church sign. Were you was it me and John or was it or were you with me? It was um Jesus got her done. Oh, was, uh, was yeah, one. that was one too, man. Wow. <laughs> the Back the when links Larry that, the cable guy was the uh was the big comedian the in the south. Fundamentalists will go to to praise Hey, marketability, am Jesus. I right? Yeah. <laughs> They're trying to get people in the door, man. All right. Well, I think we should end the episode here. <laughs> <laughs> if you've stuck to stuck with us till this the the end of this, man, um, good on you because <laughs> this this got dark. <laughs> we had a little bit of fun at the end, but um, we we thank you, yeah, and- for for listening to us. Please, I hope you that you will rate and review all of the influencer <laughs> lingo. I, hey, email us, you yeah, know. Yeah, you, you you do that part. <laughs> I, <laughs> You can email us at praiseandbroshippodcast at gmail.com. That email is also in the show notes, so you can check out check it out there. We would love to hear from you. You can always send us stories, thoughts, things that uh, you might want us to do on the podcast or do differently. We're always open to suggestions. We're still just getting this thing off the ground. And, and I did want to mention we are – Doing the docu-series because we want to do more than just praise and worship music or Christian music and then with a secular song, uh, you know, on the second half. We want to make sure that we're covering all those different forms of media. Yeah, this docu-series came out in March of this year, 2022. Yeah, yeah, just a few months ago. I only just found out about it a couple of weeks ago. Right. And and so if you have any other ideas for different forms of media that, that relate to Christianity or, or something along those lines, definitely send those to us through the email. You can also send song requests. You can send Minor Divine or Jesus or Jessica. Just make sure that you put that in the subject line, what you're sending. Make sure you credit whatever the line is from, whether it's a Jesus or Jessica, make sure you put the artist in the song title. And then also if it's minor divine, if it's an actual church sign, just credit that church for us so we can 
mention it on the podcast and then put that in the subject line so that we don't get it mixed up and uh, one of us looks at it and, and cheats because we like to peek. It's kind of like uh, <laughs> Christmas morning. Until next week, we hope you guys love your neighbor. As yourself. Bye, guys. Bye. myself i i'm sorry i <laughs> uh, we, can, we can pause yeah, it i'm not gonna pause it i just gotta go i sing for joy at the work of your hand hey i can like justin bieber if you can like hanson how about that you can like hanson too don't fucking i i do